Peter. Okay, let's get in. Hello? Hello? Okay, we're back, and the session starts uh, officially now. Uh, good day, everyone. This is the Ontolog Forum, uh, March 2nd, year 2006, and today we have the honor of inviting Professor Dr. Asuman Dojak from the Middle East Technical University in Turkey to present her talk entitled Exploiting EBXML Registry Semantics in the eHealth Domain. Um, so since we have got quite a crowd here, I will not go through the uh, in, uh, uh, personal introductions, but everyone who uh, should be listed under the attendant list, and if I miss your name during the roll call, uh, please send me an email later or go directly to the wiki and add your name there. Uh, I'll move on to the next uh, item on the agenda and uh, have Ms. Monica Martin from Sun Microsystems to invite uh, to introduce our invited speaker. Monica? Well, this is a, a, a great opportunity to have Asuman here because I've never met Asuman. We've traded email for a very long time. Asuman is actually a full professor at the Department of Computer Engineering at Middle East Tur uh, Technical University in Ankara, Turkey. And she's also the founding director of the Software Research and Development Center at NetView. And she's had a particular interest in semantics, e-health, and e-business for quite some time. I've had the opportunity to uh, correspond with her and, and seen her work, uh, including some uh, European Commission-funded projects such as Artemis and RIDE. So th this is a real uh, honor. Dr. Dogic is, is uh, well known in the industry and in the area of research. Uh, she received a IBM USA Faculty Award in 2004. And um, I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, hearing her uh, uh, brief today and uh, uh, understanding the work and the research she's done. I think it's very valuable to the industry. And we should welcome Asuman. We're glad to have you here. Uh, thank you very much, Monica. Um, I will uh, start by apologizing um, uh, for the technology that didn't work in the beginning, but I'm glad that we've been through that. Uh, well, as you have mentioned, my talk is uh, about exploiting EDXML registry semantics in the eHealth domain. I cannot access the website, so whenever I move the slide, I'm going to tell the slide number. Uh, so uh, in, on slide two, uh, I briefly describe what I will be talking about. Um, it, it is fortunate that we have EBXML registries because we are able to store a certain amount of uh, semantics in the EBXML registries. As we all know, the uh, semantic uh, mechanisms uh, EBXML registry provides are uh, the classification hierarchies, but it is not the only the classification hierarchies. Uh, in, the, in the case of, as in the case of taxonomies, but because in EBXML registry classification hierarchy, we also can have <coughs> the properties of the uh, classification nodes. And um, I will, uh, during my talk, I will briefly mention uh, these mechanisms.
in the EBXML registry. And then uh, there is a very important uh, industry initiative called Integrating Healthcare Enterprise, known shortly as IGE, and they have chosen EBXML registry um, for their um, cross-enterprise document sharing profile, uh, which will allow electronic healthcare records to be shared by um, different healthcare institutes, even across uh, countries. Uh, and this uh, important uh, profile has already been uh, accepted to be used by, uh, by Canada in their Info Healthway project and also in some European countries like Norway and France. And also it is already being used uh, in certain regions in Italy. Uh, and then I will uh, talk about how um, uh, EBXML registry semantics can be used uh, in the uh, IG XTS cross-enterprise document sharing profile. So I'm moving to slide three. Um, I the outline of my talk is as follows. Uh, first, the uh, EBXML registry semantic constructs, and then a brief introduction to web ontology language. And then uh, I will dis describe briefly how our constructs can be mapped to EBXML registry constructs, and how EBXML registries can be made OVL aware. And then um, I will continue with exploiting this in the healthcare domain. As I have already mentioned, uh, EBXML registry uh, has a classification scheme uh, mechanism and um, the classification nodes are organized into classification schemes and it is possible to give properties, data type properties to classification nodes by using slots and um, also it is possible to uh, associate um, registry objects uh, by uh, this, hello? Oh, we're on slide four now. Yes, we're on slide four. Associ through asso uh, registry object is, uh, registry objects can be related through association instances. I will describe how this can be used in um, representing OVAL. But before that, on slide 5, I'm providing an example. You see EBXML uh, registry stores the metadata. Uh, the uh, objects are stored in the EBXML repository. And the metadata of the repository objects are stored in the registry, and uh, registry uh, contains pointers to the repository. For example, I can store a classification hierarchy consisting of uh, the top-level node uh, clinical domain, and then uh, there are some subclasses, as you see. Um, uh, the thing is that if I store, for example, a document, let us assume that I'm storing a document on neurosurgery, 
I can, um, if I have the classification uh, scheme in the example, then, per, uh, for example, I can um, annotate or give semantic to this uh, uh, object in the repository by defining an extensive object in the registry and, for example, by classifying it uh, through the nodes of the classification scheme that I choose. In this way, um, this is the way how you associate semantics with the uh, files, objects that you store in the repository through EBXMI registry. There is also another point. Um, the classification schemes can be internal to the registry. The clinical domain class hierarchy over there is internally defined in the registry, but I can also um, classify my objects by using external classifications. For example, lowing in the figure is a well-known uh, coding scheme. Uh, we can say that it's a taxonomy. And it is, um, it is uh, for giving codes to laboratory experiments um, in the healthcare domain, laboratory results, I should say. And uh, for, I can also uh, annotate my uh, registry objects uh, through an external classification uh, like that. Now I'm moving to the slide six. Now I would like to uh, mention how EBXML registry uh, architecture is implemented. Uh, as we are familiar with uh, EBXML registry repository implementation by Farooq Najmi, uh, it is implemented uh, through an, um, it is mostly implemented through a relational database. And uh, what happens is that since a relational database is behind the registry, you can use the SQL query language to query the um, uh, registry. But uh, there is also the filter query uh, mechanism for uh, querying the registry. Uh, now I'm moving to slide seven, and I would like to make a brief uh, outline of what I have presented up, up to now, a brief summary. Um, I have stated that EBXML registry allows us to define semantics. This semantics is uh, defined in terms of classes and or by organizing classes into classification hi hierarchies. Uh, in terms of uh, EBXML terminology, these are called classification nodes and classification schemes. And uh, these classification nodes can have uh, properties through slot mechanisms, uh, which go to simple data types. And also, they can have properties uh, which can uh, point to other uh, instances of other classification nodes. And this is achieved through association types. And um, the, there are a certain number of predefined association types, but these can be uh, extended. Uh, the registry specification allows that. And
it is possible to group certain objects of the repository, and this is called registry package. Uh, and um, um, okay, at this point, perhaps I should also mention that. Um, all these um, mechanisms in the EBXML registry are much more than we've been uh, using in the industry. For example, there is this, this uh, UNSPSC taxonomy, there is this uh, NIKES taxonomy, but these are um, uh, one-level hierarchies without properties, without slot mechanisms. Uh, by introducing all these um, classes, properties, and the relationship between the classes and properties, EBXML uh, registry allows us to define much more semantics. The second question is whether we can represent web ontology language in the EBXML registry, and we will give it a try. Now I am on slide nine, and over here I am providing some uh, references related with EBXML registry, but I'm going to skip them because they are already there. Uh, now, slide number 10, uh, and I would like to give a brief introduction to web ontology language. Slide 11 is a figure of an OVAL, and slide 12, um, I will give, uh, I will try to um, give a little bit of background to web ontology language. Uh, as you may know, uh, semantic web has become a very uh, important uh, to us because semantics is being uh, used in several applications, and especially after Tim Berners-Lee's efforts in this direction. Um, uh, World Wide Web Consortium, in order to define the semantics of resources on the web, first suggested, uh, first specified, I should say, the resource description framework. And as the name implies, uh, it is it aims to describe the resources. It uh, gives a well-defined syntax to make it machine processable, and this is described through RDF syntax, but on top of that, it provides an RDF schema to be able to describe, and RDF schema gives the uh, tools, it's in fact an ontology language to describe a certain domain, but uh, later, uh, there was an effort by um, DARPA, uh, DARPA and called DAML, DARPA Agent Markup Language, and there was an, um, another effort, OIL, Ontology Inference Layer, uh, which was an European Commission-supported project. These um, efforts joined, uh, but all um, DAML OIL was based on IDF, and eventually uh, OVAL is uh, based uh, on IDF, and in fact, the difference between DAML OIL and OVAL are uh, very insignificant. Uh, what happens is that, uh, now I'm on slide 13, um, OVAL, OVAL um, uh, uses, is based on, built on top of IDF, IDF but it um, allows uh, much 
impulsiveness than it was possible in IBF. If you ask me what that expressiveness is, uh, for example, in RDF, um, there was only one type of property. Uh, a class, uh, you can um, uh, define a property by defining the uh, domain class and the range class, and that was it. In OVAL, there are very many different types of properties, and for example, there is functional property, there is transitive property, and all this gives more semantics that we later can use. And this is the expressive power of OVAL over RDF. It also allows the intersection of, um, I mean, it also define, uh, allows to define class expressions over uh, OVAL classes. Uh, let me try to explain OVAL through a simple example. Now I'm on slide 14. Uh, for example, we may wish to um, develop an ontology uh, to describe the, the possible crimes. Over there, uh, crimes has two subclasses, robbery and speeding. And uh, we have described it, uh, the OVAL classes, by giving an identifier and then by um, using RDF schema subclass property and define robbery as a, for example, robbery as a subclass of crimes. Uh, are there any questions up to that point? If not, let me continue. Now I'm on slide 15, and over here uh, I'm going to uh, define the prop some of the properties of these classes. For example, huh, as I have mentioned to you, uh, OVAL allows properties, um, uh, different properties. Uh, for example, you can define data type properties and object properties. Such a distinction was not possible in RDF. Uh, when you uh, differentiate uh, like this, the range of data type properties is always simple data types, but the range of object property can be uh, the, an instance of another class. For example, let us look at the description property. This is a data type property. We are stating that crimes class has a property description, and it goes to literal. I'm going to uh, give simple text over there. On the other hand, robbery is a class, and it has a property suspect whose range is thief. But thief, as you may remember from the previous slide, is a class. So um, the uh, range of uh, this property is an instance of a thief class, a certain thief in the thief class. I'm moving on to slide 16, and now let us have an example. Let us assume that there was a robbery, and the fingerprints from the robbery scene uh, identified uh, the person who uh, has uh, committed this crime as John Smith. And the police uh, had a report in Oval 
this is an novel instance and describing the thief as John Smith. In fact, it's not the thief but the suspect because robbery class had a suspect uh, attribute. And then, in the uh, I'm now I'm on slide 17, and on the same day, uh, no, later in the day, uh, police gives a person a ticket for speeding, and from the driver license, drive, driver's license, uh, it turns out that the, this guy is John Doe, and um, again, the police report is an instance of an oval document indicating that the speeder was John Doe. Now I'm on slide 18. But the Ministry of Interior keeps oval description of these files. And um, there is a um, part of the, an oval file which says that uh, the, this John Doe person is in fact the, sa the same person as the John Smith person. The, here uh, the, there is the, this uh, oval famous construct which indicates that uh, two instances are the same. So in this way, now I'm on slide 19, it was possible to deduce the fact that the thief and the speeder are the same person. So this shows a simple example of inference and a, a simple use of oval. Now I'm, now I'm on slide 20. Uh, I would like to present a summary. Oval is an ontology specification language. It is based on RDF with double oil experience and Oval has uh, much more expressive power than RDF. As I have mentioned, it's, it has several different types of properties and it has several different types of, it allows Boolean combination of class expression. Uh, on slides 21 and 22, I provide some references and I'm skipping them. On slide 23, <coughs> at this point we, are, uh, we will take a look at how oval constructs can be mapped into EBXML registry constructs. Now we are on slide 24. Now, uh, perhaps we should, um, I should also mention that I mean, EBXML provides some semantic constructs to express metadata about the um, objects stored in the repository. Uh, on the other hand, there is uh, this uh, web ontology language, uh, which is an W3C uh, specification to describe the uh, semantics of uh, true um, semantics of several different domains it is it would be it is possible to describe uh, the semantics in a specific domain through this web ontology language um, we thought it may be good to express uh, the oval constructs in the ebxml registry because uh, since the mechanism is already there it uh, it would certainly be advantageous to have an uh, W3C standard uh, ontology language constructs available through EB 
XML registry. So <coughs> it is possible to <coughs> map all classes to EBXML uh, classification nodes. Uh, as I have uh, mentioned, OVAL has data type properties. That these can be very well be covered through EBXML slot mechanism. OVAL has object properties, and EBXML has association types. We can perhaps cover object properties through association types. In fact, we have used already existing uh, association types uh, when when they were um, suitable, and since this, it, it was possible to define further association types. These were extendable in EBXML, so sometimes we define new association types. Uh, for example, um, there is um, in EBXML registry classification scheme, uh, multiple inheritance is not possible. So on the other hand, in OVAL uh, classification, uh, in OVAL class hierarchies, multiple in inheritance is possible. So in order to express this, we have defined a subclass of uh, association type in the BXML registry. Um, now I'm on slide 25. Uh, in, uh, slide, uh, in slide 25, uh, there is an example. Uh, for example, if there are two classes, dermatology and dermatology field, uh, defined in two different, um, uh, as defined um, as two different classification nodes. Uh, I can um, uh, express their equivalency by defining an object property equivalent to whose domain is one of these classes and whose range is the other class. Uh, let's move to slide 26. Um, here uh, we can do the same in the BXML registry by defining two classification nodes and by defining an association uh, of type object property uh, with the name equivalent to uh, to express the same fact. Now I'm now I'm moving to slide 27, and I will I would like to present a summary. Um, what uh, I ha have tried to describe up to now is. Oval constructs can be mapped to EBXML registry constructs. And <coughs> in fact, ontologies can play two major roles in EBXML registry. One is, um, I mean, once we have stored these ontologies in the registry by using EBXML registries native semantic constructs, we can use them to annotate uh, the objects in the repository, which will help them to, which will help us to find them dynamically by using the semantics. Uh, of course, ontologies is also used for uh, for reasoning purposes, but um, 
This cannot be directly achieved uh, when we store the semantics in the VXML registry because the reasoners work on directly on the oval syntax. However, we are changing the syntax when we are storing these uh, ontologies into EBXML registry. Um, as a, um, now I have moved to slide 28 and then to 29. And over here I am providing some references. Uh, the work that I have very briefly mentioned is uh, available <coughs> in the pub publication that I mentioned over there. And uh, I should also like to mention that this work is done as, the, as a part of uh, the project called Satin which is funded by the European Commission. Now I, move, I have moved to slide 30. And this is, uh, um, now we are going to talk about uh, making EBXML registries oval aware. Um, as, you, as I have uh, tried to demonstrate, it is possible to store oval constructs in the EBXML registry. But uh, when we store these constructs, when we want to access them, we have to do certain amount of coding. But uh, the main message over here in this part is that this coding can be avoided and can be achieved seamlessly to the user by providing some stored procedures in the EBXML registry. And now I'm moving to slide 32. And for example, we, I have mentioned that we can define a subclass uh, relationship uh, which exists in OVAL in the EBXML registry classification scheme. But um, as I have previously mentioned, um, in EBXML registry, um, there is a uh, multiple inheritance was not possible, but by defining this extra association type, I can have a classification nodes, um, can have more than one um, superclass. Um, I have, in this way, we were able to introduce this extra semantics to the registry, but given a class, in order to find its superclasses, I have to write down a query uh, to follow all the, uh, the uh, association type of um, superclass of um, uh, association type to retrieve all those superclasses. But why not store a, a write a, a stored procedure and store it in the registry? so that whenever uh, such a semantics is needed, uh, it can, I can uh, provide the classification node. And by using the stored procedure, I can retrieve all the superclasses. And this is explained on uh, slide 33. <coughs> Let us assume that neurosurgery class has surgery field and central nervous system superclasses. And um, uh, there is another thing. Um, in order to write SQL queries, 
of course, you need to know the how the uh, the relational schema in the registry. I have provided. In fact, the registry specification fixes this relational schema. It is fixed, but you have to know it uh, to write down the query. Over there, I have uh, provided the four related relational tables that the registry is using. And I have provided a, a procedure uh, to find uh, superclasses. When this uh, procedure is made available in the registry, and when it is called for a specific classification node, it is possible to find the related superclasses. Um, uh, as another example, um, on slide 34, um, there are four other um, I, Okay, there is another example over there. This, uh, for exa this example finds the object properties of a given classification node um, in order to, uh, to be compatible with OVAL, we had introduced some object property uh, association type to the registry. But when I want to discover the object properties of a certain classification node, then I can use this stored procedure without uh, having to know the underlying relational tables and uh, without um, the need to write the, the uh, SQL code. Now slide 35. Um, in this way, we have enriched the semantics in the EBXML registry. And we have made it OVAL aware. I mean, this is not all. There are several other constructs uh, that we have defined. And I will provide the reference. But uh, there is this, I mean, ontologies are also for reasoning purposes. But uh, once we have, um, um, in short, I can say that once, since we don't have, um, how shall I say it, uh, the actual OVAL file, we can extract it from the registry. Then we can, uh, the reasoner can work on it. But the reasoners use not only the, these classification schemes, but the, also the instances to make some inferences. But uh, this will require uh, considerable changes in the registry, so we have avoided that. And uh, we have kept the registry uh, specification intact, and but uh, have, by defining certain uh, association types and through uh, by introducing um, stored procedures, we just try to make um, EBXML registry OVAL aware. And uh, on page, on slide 36, uh, there are some references uh, related with this work. Again, this work is done within the scope of the SATIM project supported by the European Commission. On page 37, there is an important reference. Uh, we have uh, prepared a very detailed um, proposal for a new 
OSIS profile, which is called EBXML Registry Profile for Web Ontology Language. And I have provided the URL. You are most welcome to take a look at it, and we would be very happy to hear your um, comments. Any questions up to now? I would have one. Yes? Um, why did they decide, EBML Registry decide to use the single inheritance only? Um, I think Farouk can uh, answer that, uh, but all I can say is that when you're defining a, a classification node, you indicate a parent, and in this way, uh, you can indicate only single parent, and maybe, uh, again, you should talk to Farouk, I'm not the correct person, uh, maybe he can extend that to have uh, multiple inheritance in the first place. In fact, there was such, an, um, such a comment by Evan Bowles from NIST um, very recently. Yes, since, since both uh, Farouk and Evan Wallace are online uh, later after Oh, okay. Why did he so answer this question? This yes. Okay. Afterwards. Okay. Okay, then now I'm moving to slide 38, and I'm uh, going to try to explain uh, how the semantics can be exploited in the healthcare domain, and for that, uh, I would like to make a brief introduction to integrating healthcare enterprise, cross-enterprise document sharing profile. Uh, now I'm on uh, slide 40. Um, one of the main problems in the healthcare domain today is the interoperability. And especially, uh, it has become very important to have the longitudinal record, record of patients. They also call it womb to tomb record. And, but uh, in, you see, a patient can have treatment in several different healthcare institutes during her lifetime. So. Uh, and today, this uh, clinical information about patients are stored in all sorts of prop proprietary information systems, and therefore, it is very difficult uh, to obtain, uh, to share uh, electronic healthcare records of uh, patients. And I can tell you that there is um, a very all over the world. Recently, I, w I was at HIMSS, and there was um, um, there is this uh, Rio concept, regional healthcare um, info information organizations. It turns out that several regions in USA is already uh, sharing uh, referral notes. Um, electronic healthcare records, but these are um, regional initiatives. And um, um, in uh, October, on October,
during hymns, one of these, um, there were four consortiums um, trying to uh, achieve this, and um, uh, one of them uh, made um, uh, demos at hymns. Uh, the consortium was led by IBM, and they were using IGXTS uh, to connect uh, three regions in the U.S. and uh, it was a quite impressive demonstration. But this is also very uh, hot in Europe, and um, uh, European Commission is an effort to um, provide uh, interoperability in the e-health domain all over uh, across Europe and uh, I, I am lucky to have one of those uh, projects right which is uh, which intends to develop a roadmap for interoperability in the member states and we're working on that and um, <coughs> um, after giving this information, I would like to very briefly uh, mention uh, first what IGE is about and, and then very briefly describe the XDS uh, profile. Integrating Healthcare uh, Enterprise is an industry initiative. Uh, the, all the major uh, industry industrial companies working in e-health are in it and also it is supported by RSNA and HIMSS. And um, their approach is as follows. Um, you see when we talk about interoperability, in order to achieve it we need, uh, we need standards. And there are standards. For example, HS7 version 2 is the most widely message exchange standard used uh, in the world today. May I but you yes, um, you've probably heard Barry Smith uh, speaking on many occasions about HL7 and how they Yes, are and I they haven't heard of him, but uh, I, I have heard of Barry Smith. I know him, well, but I didn't hear. He, I didn't hear that particular talk. No, he, he, he does not think it's well structured. He thinks there are many. Exactly. Uh, I mean, uh, HS7 version two. If you, if there are two healthcare institutes conforming to HS7 version two, it does not necessarily imply that they will be able to talk. Most probably, they will not be able to talk. The reason is that. Uh, HL7 version 2 has many optional fields in the messages. It doesn't have a, a well-defined structure. And therefore, uh, in order for two healthcare institutes to be interoperable, they have to come together and work on the details, uh, although they use the same standard. So there is this HL7 version 3 effort to overcome this. but. Um, in, in healthcare interoperability, we have to differentiate between the message interoperability that is exchanged during the daily operations of healthcare institutes from electronic healthcare records because they are a bit different because in the electronic healthcare records is, are in fact uh, contains all the 
information about a patient through his lifetime. So it has to be uh, collected. Although certain messages exchanged uh, in the hospitals contain certain parts of those that clinical information, and it is still different than electronic healthcare records. So, but for making electronic healthcare records, there are also standardization efforts. HR7 is uh, has defined is defining, in fact, uh, um, clinical document architecture HR7CDA, and there is a similar efforts from Europe. Europe has defined also a, an electronic healthcare record working on a standard, and in fact. Um, many parts of that standard are finalized. Uh, but there is another effort from Australia, and so uh, HR7 has uh, taken a, I, I'm sorry, IHE has taken a more direct approach. Uh, in fact, um, IHE is my, uh, I mean, I like it very much, the way they approach the problems, because um, what they do? Which, hmm? which is IT? IHE, oh. Integrating Healthcare Enterprise. Okay, I, I, okay, I uh, it's my um, pronunciation. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> what slide are you on now? Uh, huh, I'm sorry. Um, I got carried away. <laughs> so I'm slide. I'm on slide 40. But uh, the things I'm talking about are not there. Okay. Uh, I just got carried away, so perhaps I should that is talk. No, please go on. Uh, okay. So IGE, uh, since as I have uh, mentioned, since these, although you conform to standards, interoperability is very difficult. Uh, IGE. Uh, restricts the standards furthermore and develops profiles. But uh, these profiles, the nicest thing is that if you follow their profiles and implement it, they have connectatons, which is called, which is, which stands for connectivity marathons. You go to a connectivity marathon, you plug in your software, if you talk to the other company immediately, then you are certified. If not, you have to come back. So it's, uh, it really works. So they have uh, proposed this XTS profile. And the XTS, what the XTS profile does is extremely simple. They say, put the electronic healthcare record of the patient in a repository. Put the metadata in a EBXML registry, and I'm providing you the transactions that you are going to uh, use to query the registry and to retrieve the document. And that's it. And obviously, this is a very practical way of making things work. But as I have uh, mentioned in the beginning of my talk, the Canada Info Healthway is going to use IGXTS. Uh, there are countries in the Europe who have committed to use XTS. So in uh, X I'm
slide on. I am now I'm sli on slide 41. Um, here I'm trying. Here I will try to be, um, briefly dis describe IGXTS. There is this EBXML registry. There is this document repository. There is a document source which produced the electronic healthcare record, and there is the document consumer who needs this document. So uh, XTS provides uh, four transactions to um, put the documents into the uh, into repository, register the metadata into registry, and to using the similar mechanisms retrieve the documents. Um, <coughs> now uh, this is <coughs> this profile is already defined and has been implemented by several different vendors, and I, as I have mentioned, I have seen its um, um, demos working. But um, there is another thing. Um, I mean, XTS defines a clinical affinity domain. That is, the healthcare institutes come together and make an agreement to share their documents in a region perhaps. Um, but there is a need for a federated uh, XTS mechanism because I cannot, we cannot expect all the healthcare institutes to be uh, the members of the same clinical affinity domain because in a clinical affinity domain they fix certain policies, certain coding terms, uh, patient identifiers, things like that. So eventually we see the need for federated um, clinical affinity domain. This federation can come from federating EBXML registries or federating the EB, um, IGXTS domain. Uh, so now I'm slide I'm on slide 43, but I think I have already mentioned this, that uh, in every clinical affinity domain, some metadata are fixed. Uh, uh, this can be simple author department or creation time, or it could be certain fields that use classification codes, like the lowing one that I have mentioned. Uh, on slide 44, I present an example. For example, uh, this is this um, I have uh, copied it from uh, IGXTS specification. They say that author department XTS document attribute will be represented by EBRIM slot. Uh, XTS document attribute practice code, uh, practice setting code will be an external classification uh, and XTS document attribute, document attribute parent document relationship would be, uh, will be represented as an association type in the EBXML registry. Now, sorry? Question? you have author department? I'm curious. Um, in in 
in a system that would permit inferencing, you might have a document author, and then that specific individual might be in a department. And if you wanted to know the author, the, the author department, you wouldn't create a separate relationship. You'd just find who the author is and find his department. Is there any inferencing capabilities at all that are uh, in this Well, uh, no. This author department is a, a simple data type. Right. So right. exactly as you mentioned. OK. OK. And slide 45. Uh, now I'm, I will try to explain uh, how uh, semantics can be used when we have federated um, XDS uh, domain. Let us assume that uh, in one uh, clinical affinity domain, uh, we have used UMLS uh, to code neurosurgery. And uh, in, the another, in another clinical affinity domain, let us say B, neurosurgery surgery documents are coded by using loin code. And I'm in the first affinity domain, and I'm trying to retrieve a document from the other affinity domain. But uh, the registry in the uh, other affinity domain does not understand UMLS. It only understands loin. And I only understand UMLS. So how am I going to uh, find out the document using the metadata that I understand and the other registry do not understand? And um, if you go to slide 46, please, over there, I can describe this metadata through two different ontologies. Uh, for example, the, on the left-hand side, in yellow, there is one clinical ontology. Um, green is another clinical uh, domain ontology. But uh, by using uh, the uh, ontology mapping uh, based, based on OVAL, I can describe the fact that uh, the neurosurgery um, class on the uh, right-hand ontology is, in fact, uh, the intersection of two other classes in the first ontology. Uh, so uh, going back to the previous example where I was looking a neurosurgery document coded with UMLS in another clinical affinity domain, which coded the same uh, term by using LOING. By using ont uh, ontology mapping, we can find out the um, e uh, equivalent metadata terms to locate the document. Uh, in fact, uh, in my lab, um, an oval mem ontology mapping tool has been developed. And I'm providing the information about this tool on page 48. It is available on uh, SourceForge. And um, if you wish, you can download it. On uh, slide 49, I would like to provide some summary. Um, 
I try to explain uh, that uh, EBXML registry semantic support mechanisms can be enriched and we already have a profile uh, proposal for this and um, I have also mentioned that EBXML registry is being used in a very important um, e-health industry initiative, IGXTS. I'm hoping that all the semantic uh, can be further made use in um, IGE profiles and uh, uh, I'm also providing uh, some references uh, for the work that I have described and I should also um, acknowledge European Commission because the part of the work I have described right now, uh, just now, is uh, achieved by in the, within the scope of the Artemis project. Slide 50, the XML registry offers semantic constructs. Uh, we can use them to improve the real-world applications, and I tried to present an example in the healthcare domain. Slide 51 is from Istanbul. Thank you very much for your attention, and I truly apologize for um, being able, to, uh, having the difficulty to connect in the beginning. I should have tried it earlier. No problem, Professor Dojak. On behalf of the community, thank you very much for a, a most brilliant uh, presentation. So, That's the prettiest uh, closed slide I've ever seen. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't get that. So that is the prettiest closing slide that I have ever seen. What, what is what is that the building in the near foreground? Uh, this is uh, called um, Girls Tower, and there is lots of stories behind that. One of the most beautiful cities in the world, my favorite. I think that was Farouk. Yes. <laughs> yes, Omar. Okay, so uh, we now oh, uh, we are now open to uh, questions and answers. Uh, just in case we've got a number of questions piled up, uh, would people who have comments of questions please first indicate uh, who you are, and then we, we will just queue everybody up. Uh, I, uh, Pat and Evan had this earlier question about uh, multiple well, why, inheritance. Why, yeah, why single inheritance in EBXML registry? Why not multiple? Right. And, uh, yeah, Farouk should answer that. Yeah, don't answer yet. Uh, who, who else has questions or comments? Uh, this is George Brown. I, ha I have a question. Okay, George. And all right, uh, who else? Let's just register people for questions. I have a comment. This is Monica. I'll just get on the queue. Okay, Monica. Anyone else? All right, let's then go go back to uh, Pat, and I guess you also represent Evan, to, Evan Wallace, also on this multiple inheritance uh, inheritance oh. question. Why don't I uh, re-explain what my comment was that was embedded in my comments about the, the profile. 
Uh, it was a question to Farouk, actually, was how easy it would be to make that the change to supporting you know, multiple parents in the uh, classification model of EB-RIM. Right, that was Evan Wallace. So. Oh, can I interrupt? I would like to present my heartfelt thanks to Evan. Although I haven't uh, responded to him yet, I have uh, really, we, the profile has hugely benefited from his comments. I couldn't have agreed with them more, so Farouk can answer the question now. Thank you. So uh, I think the uh, simple answer is that single inheritance model was uh, more efficient and simpler uh, from both a spec and implementation standpoint. And uh, we took an approach kind of similar to the Java programming language, for example, compared to other languages like C++ that support multiple inheritance. In Java, you have one true inheritance. And if you want multiple inheritance, you can do it through other means, like uh, uh, interfaces. Using that analogy, we have, uh, as, as you saw with Asuman's presentation, ways to simulate multiple inheritance uh, through uh, uh, special uh, associations. But that's uh, obviously not first class uh, multiple inheritance as you expect from uh, certain la programming languages and, uh, and, and OWL. Uh, I, as far as what it would take to uh, improve it, I don't think that uh, it would be uh, very difficult. It would probably come at some computational uh, inefficiencies, and that's one of the reasons why um, uh, it needs to be well thought out. What aspect uh, of, the implementation, be, sorry, what sorry, aspect of the implementation depends upon uh, single versus multiple inheritance? I mean, since you're, you're not really doing reasoning in the EBMXML, um, well, you, you're not yeah, doing reasoning, but you are doing uh, uh, some, uh, uh, some determination uh, equivalent to subclass uh, um, super, uh, that takes advantage of the subclass-superclass relationship in the classification scheme hierarchy. So, for example, uh, if you classify something by a node in this uh, uh, tree structure at one level, Let's say the example is a geography scheme, and you classified um, some, some object by the geography of uh, Japan. Then, um, I'm sorry, by Asia. Uh, I'm sorry, by Japan, yes. And if you search for, uh, for objects matching geography of Asia, you should be able to find it. So there are, there are places in the spec and in the implementation where uh, multiple inheritance could be harder to implement and less efficient to implement. I do not know that it is uh, necessarily an intractable problem. I think it's uh, probably doable, but uh, uh, we have taken an approach of uh, wait and see, let the requirements mature. Um, one, of my, one of my considerations is that maybe, um, so, so I should mention, this was another thing I was going to mention related to this, which is that we're working on adding uh, uh, some advanced extensibility mechanisms in the registry, which would allow you to essentially add first-class types and first-class uh, attributes uh, uh, to, the, to, to the registry uh, as extensions. And if we did that, we could potentially have a much more robust
strategic modeling uh, mechanisms in place. And uh, so I think this problem would be addressed as part of that work. Yeah, it just seems to me, this Pat again, uh, to be a shame that you're all the trouble of um, allowing someone to uh, look into an owl ontology without actually downloading the ontology and looking at it in some kind of owl uh, utilizing mechanism. Uh, and then having, having done that wonderful thing, you then uh, run up against a brick wall when, when you don't allow the, the multiple inheritance that, are, that is allowed in the OWL ontology. You now right. no longer so represent the ontology properly. I, I totally take your point, Pat. And uh, one thing I should mention related to the, the type extensibility uh, that I mentioned is that one place where we could invest, uh, uh, could really uh, take advantage of it potentially is to explore what it might mean in the uh, uh, EBXML registry profile for OWL that uh, Asawan uh, has authored and uh, mentioned. This is something that uh, uh, we will be talking about in the Semantic Content Management Subcommittee of EBXML registry to see if, you know, true extensibility uh, can, uh, can make the profile that we're working on uh, for OWL uh, more direct so that potentially you could actually have uh, no information loss when you map OWL to the registry. Thank you. So that you could you could add a reasoning engine uh, as a as an add-on that could take advantage. Think that in that situation it would essentially be no different than the registry uh, providing uh, the OWL uh, ontologies and the, the OWL base um, as if it was a file system, but okay. with all the added benefits of managing it in the registry. Thank you. Next question. Okay. Uh, George? George Brown? Uh, yes. Uh, first, I, I want to say to Asuman, this was an excellent presentation. I really uh, My question is, is really kind of research-oriented. I wanted to know if uh, you're doing any work or if anyone is doing any work in making the ontologies context-sensitive, uh, which I could see would be very valuable in the healthcare information area. Uh, could you uh, a bit uh, more explain what do you mean by context sensitive? In what respect? Well, as an example, the properties could be aggregates that have preconditions based on state. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Uh, frankly speaking, we have not uh, uh, worked on that yet. Well, that, 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 that is uh, in, in the... Um standard ontologies that is accommodated in various ways, but it is accommodated. As you know, in, uh, in the open psych system, they have what they call micro-theories, which really look a lot to me like just generic context. They could be time context, they could be place context, they could be theory context, belief system context. Uh, it's the way they have handling all those potential logical conflicts. And other systems have... Uh, other, that's types, on, other types of context. That's on a particular property? Um, what it is is you, you have assertions must be made within a context. That is to say, if you say a particular car is blue, uh, that may only be true in a particular time interval. It may be repainted red in a different time interval. So the context, generic context, can be time interval or whatever. Now, there are, there are a number of ways to handle it. Of course, you can explicitly say time interval. Uh, or you can uh, say uh, you can you can use a particular context and then and then say it's true in that context. But uh, 
there, there is, I have not seen a, gen a general agreement, any kind of consensus among ontologists as to what the best way to handle context is. They all do it, but in different ways. Okay, uh, Monica, you had a comment. Yes, uh, actually two comments because of George's question. Um, the first one is, I, I think some of this, and even uh, looking to George's question, kind of uh, brings into the discussion um, the use of uh, semantic information and uh, other artifacts that are possible to be stored in the registry. You know, when he talks about preconditions and state and transitions, that gets into, like, business process activities. Mm -hmm. There's also been some very interesting work that a, uh, part of a Simmons team has been involved with, uh, with BPSS that have, has to do with, you know, attaching semantic information to business uh, activities. So um, I, I think there's a, a lot uh, a lot of opportunity and much uh, more work to, to realize that opportunity, you know, and uh, I'm looking forward to some work coming out of the uh, registry TC uh, in the subgroup as well as uh, from Assumance Research and others uh, that will help us uh, realize some of these things. Thank you, Assumance, for coming. I thank you for providing me the opportunity. Yes. So, uh, thank you very much. Did someone have a comment? Oh, no, I was just uh, adding my thanks. Sorry. Yes. All right. Oh, while we're here, uh, did anyone join us after we took the roll call that we did not capture uh, into the list of attendees? So uh, if there are no further questions, uh, let me thank Suman again for uh, her time and for the uh, wonderful presentation that she made and for sharing her insights with us. Uh, I, I guess uh, Farouk has been with us for quite a while and, and it has constantly been on my to-do list to see how maybe uh, Ontolock can uh, join forces with the registry repository group uh, in some joint work. Uh, we have a project coming up uh, whereby uh, some uh, some members of the Ontolog community are looking at uh, tagging uh, Ontolog contents uh, because over the years we have accumulated a good body of knowledge uh, around the uh, ontology domain and maybe hopefully uh, one of you from the uh, Reg Rep, uh, Rep TC could be joining us uh, in that effort. Uh, we have got two uh, two technical discussion sessions coming up. Uh, none of the dates have been announced yet, but it will probably be in um, April and May. And when the announcements come out, uh, let's hope. We, we can see some, some of the people from the registry repository, uh, the TC, joining us in the discussion and in, in the work. Okay. All right. Also, uh, in, the, in the meantime, uh, we are about two weeks from the Upper Ontology Summit. So since uh, 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 
uh, it's going to be very near and the announcement has already gone out. Uh, I would like to sort of solicit everyone's attention again. Uh, the, the Upper Ontology Summit is a multi-year effort where we finally uh, managed to get all the uh, custodians of uh, open public upper ontologies to sit together uh, in one room. And it's going to be at NIST uh, on March the 15th. Uh, registration is already open. And uh, since NIST, uh, you would definitely need to pre-register before entering the, list, uh, the NIST premises. And the deadline for registration is actually next Monday. So I would like to uh, call to everybody's attention that if you have plans to join us uh, at NIST, uh, please register before next Monday. And uh, of course, the sessions will also be available for dial-in. Uh, if you're planning to dial in, you also need to register sometime within next week, too. Right. Uh, well, once again, uh, Suman, uh, thank you very much for joining us. And we <coughs> appreciate your spending the time. In I thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye.